Namaste. So today we have two prayers. The first prayer is dated December 13th, 1913. And it's a prayer where, you know, actually what is the error of the world? There is At a deeper level, highest level, there is no error. That's how the mother puts it much later in the her writings. There is no error. It looks like error. But as she says, in, as he says in Savitri, our errors are his steps on the way. So it seems like an error. And yet it is given to man to try to attune one's will to the highest. That is the only way that we can eliminate error if at all we want to. Error is not something which is decided by the human will. So the basic tenet of yoga is this. Um, Human will is always divided. Human mind is always divided between right and wrong, good and bad. It is necessary for our evolution at a certain stage. But from the divine point of view or from the divine vision, the human good and the human bad, both are apparel's coarse-fitting dress. Rudminder describes human virtue as coarse-fitting wooden apparel. Why wooden? Because normally your apparel is... You know, you can easily remove it and all. It's You have to fit everything into that. So from the yoga perspective, you have to rise beyond both. As a human being, you have to leave the human good, a human bad and enter into the human good. Whatever one's concept, it itself changes from place to place at different stages of evolution. But from the yoga perspective, both have to be abandoned for something still greater and that is the divine will. The only good is what the divine will wants of us. There is no other good from the ultimate perspective. So here the mother is praying and aspiring for that. December 13th, 1913 Enlighten me, O Lord. Grant that I may not be mistaken. Grant that the infinite respect, the utmost devotion, the love so intense and profound with which I approach Thee may be irradiating, convincing, contagious, and that they may be awakened in the hearts of all. That's why I see what is the difference. There are people who right from the beginning are aspiring for their own realization, experiences, etc. But if you read through the prayers of the mother, it is always something which she wants to share with all. And that's why in Savitri you will see this marvelous line, Imperfect is the joy not shared with all. My spirit's liberty I ask for all. When she is asked by the great being, who, whom Shurabindu describes marvelously later on. So, when he says that you and Satyavan can live forever in the higher realms, you want Satyavan? Okay, Satyavan, I'll grant you, come forever and live there. Then she says, no, no, I don't want him just for my personal joy. <laughs> Many people don't realize that Savitri does not want Satyavan so that they can live happily ever after. She wants Satyavan because he is the handle of the God and she is the, 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 the sword of God. And the two go together. So she says that, you know, we are both needed for the work upon earth. 
It cannot be just that I come there. I have to do a work here. But this work has to be done with Satyavan, the human soul and the divine mother, if you want to put it like that. So she wants to irradiate whatever I receive, may it be received by everyone. This is the uh, real sense of Yajna. O Lord, eternal master, thou art my light and my peace. Guide my steps, open my eyes, enlighten my heart and direct me on the paths which lead straight towards thee. Now many of these things later on the mother uh, qualified them. For instance, she spoke about mistake much later and then she says there is in fact no mistake much later. At one place she says yes, there was a time when I too spoke of him as you know, thou Lord but later on she discovered that all is he. And this one particularly the straight towards thee about this the mother had a comment to make in the 60s. She says the shortest path to the divine is not the straight line as we imagine it. It's very interesting. She has made a diagram which very often people quote. The diagram is in Munada's book Supreme that this is the straight line and this is the curved path. Its essence is true. But our understanding of what is straight path is not true. That's how we have to understand. When she says straight path. So our understanding is if I shut my eyes to everything, shut my ears, sit in meditation, do a limited number of things, I am following the straight path. But the straight path does not mean that. Straight path means in every activity, God is our goal. If you want to put it in one single sentence, be it food, be it going for a walk, be it listening, be it speaking, be it everyday activities from morning to night and night to morning. The goal is God. If that is the thing, then it's a straight path. But if you think by straight path that I will now onwards do nothing with the world, then at least for Shurvindu's yoga, it is not the path. He makes it very, very clear in Synthesis of Yoga. So this he qualifies much later. Here she only uses the word, the path that leads straight to thee. For example, one may sit in meditation whole day, if at all such a thing were possible. And yet it may be done only to enhance one's ego. The mother says some people do their meditation as if it was a debt they were paying to God. Or sometimes it is done only to aggrandize oneself. Like you know in kitty parties people say oh my husband has so much money and I have so much. So sometimes you know I can meditate for hours. God is not impressed. <laughs> he knows what is meditation. So meditation is that state in which we are focused and fixed upon the eternal now, God again doesn't mean a limited God the way we understand. It could be eternal. In every activity, you will see there is a transient aspect and there is a eternal truth. And when you are fixed on the eternal, let's take an example. In a human relationship, there are transient aspects, transient satisfactions, some pleasure, some joy, companionship. And there is an eternal aspect in every every relationship. Be it of a mother and child, be it of a friend, be it of any kind of relationship, husband and wife. What is that eternal aspect? It is the love divine which is behind. So in any activity, if you focus studying, studying so that we can 
develop the means and you know focus the concentration for knowledge then it is the eternal aspect but studying so that i score good marks studying so that you know i can get a good job studying so that i can boast of you know fulfill my ambitions so boast of you know uh, having studied so much now that is called focusing on the transient and the same studies can become a means to find the eternal at one place the mother was asked that different places she has said different things so not to make a dogma but basically she was asked that in a spiritual consciousness can one read an ordinary book and the mother says yes one can read the ordinary book and then shurmindo reformism is there that when i could read a most wearisome book and did not get bored that was the sign that i have conquered my mind now you see the goal is very different one is reading an ordinary book but not with an ordinary consciousness shubhin that one place gives a very interesting example he says that you know like we all travel isn't it so travel is like spent again on your concentration or something he says it's like you can observe human nature it's very interesting try doing it without judging but just observe human nature nothing observe a conversation on a any group of four people observe the conversation you see how the topic changes within few minutes and it will show how fickle is our mind how restless is our mind just see how it will change how things are coming randomly from where are they surging where are they welling up cinema mother was asked about cinema why is cinema shown in the ashram so there are two ways of seeing the cinema in fact three ways one is phys- the the vital way oh i am enjoying it then you start crying then you start getting happy or the vital excitement and the thrill the second is he says you can see it with a conscious mind and a conscious will to understand things see if you see the cinemas you will probably may not have to go through many things in your life but unfortunately now cinema also projects all kinds of <laughs> happily they lived here after <laughs> so, <laughs> so the cinemas but there are cinemas where you see you can see rare cinemas but even then you can understand something if you see the cinema from a very conscious perspective because what is a cinema it's a projection of somebody's consciousness so everything in life can be done with an ordinary motive or an extraordinary motive with a stress on the transient or with a stress on the eternal and you can draw that lesson and message and it's so beautiful like a like you know you watched a film somebody has just appreciated its artistic beauty somebody has said oh nice story somebody has said nice songs and dances but you have drawn a lesson of life like i was saying the other day several times these examples come that film raji you know it's a typical movie about a dilemma did she do something wrong by deceiving her husband and getting married while she was all the time a spy in the indian army indian for the indian thing did she deceive her religion though a muslim she has stood by for india now you will see that if we look at the movie this way intuitively you will say right she did the right thing intuitively something in the heart knows equally if a pakistani did this intuitively you will say it is right but if you get into the mind the same thing happens with buddha and you know yashodra 
Did he do the right thing? Intuitively it is right. But the mind. So everything, every story of life you can discover that way. So she says, Direct me on the paths which lead straight towards thee. O Lord, Lord, and this is a beauty, grant that I may have no other will than thine. And that all my acts be an expression of thy divine law. So here again we have these few things. One of the first things that we should do when we are before the divine, take charge of me, take charge of my destiny. Keep reminding him time to time. When Shurabindu was asked, we have told you once, is it okay? Niruddha had asked. He said, yes, but it is good to, you know, whisper in the ears from time to time. So it's good to again and again remind. But when you have given the divine the charge of your destiny, <laughs> you must know what it means. That means ultimately, that's why people say, no, baby cat. What is baby cat? Baby cat is that. Wherever you take me, I'll go. So it's not easy to become a baby, baby cat. Baby cat means complete trust in the divine that whatever way you are taking me, you will eventually take me to you. So that's a baby cat, but very difficult because when the uh, mother cat is carrying it with the mouth, as the mother says, it says meow meow only. We don't say meow meow. We'll say ma ma, kya ho hai? Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> so this is where that the only will that should count is yours. If every day we say, "Let thy will be done," one day he will take the decision seriously. This is the last thing that the divine takes seriously <laughs> because after he takes it seriously, your life completely belongs to the divine. And that means something beyond everything. <laughs> so she says, Oh Lord, Lord, grant that I may have no other will than thine. And now you see what she says. And that all my acts be an expression of thy divine law. So there is a human law. Even the highest human law is a mimicry and a caricature of the divine law. And when mother was asked about this law, she says the only word you can use which is correct, which is expressive of this truth of the divine law, she says is dharma. Dharma literally means that. Unfolding of the divine law. It's not my wish. See dharma, how do you act by dharma? Dharma means you are no more having your preferences, your desires. You can't say that this is dharma. So, dharma means that what is the divine will in a given situation. But it's very difficult. We act according to the human law, human standards. And we are so much convinced that they are the only things which are right. That we cannot understand when a divine acts like a divine being. That's why till date people can't understand Lord Rama and Sri Krishna. Why is, you know, <laughs> some nice question we had, no? In Ramayana. About Supandka. Why did Lord, why did Lakshmana hurt her nose? She was such a nice girl, innocent girl. After all, she was only seeking some love. <laughs> so, why did Lakshmana do it? Well, she's a stalker, basically, you know. There, there was no Thana. <laughs> the only way he could, and she was going to kill Sita. Now, many such actions of the divine beings, Rama's actions are. Precisely to set a high standard. Sri Krishna, how do you understand? Even Gandhari tells him, you are the cause for the entire massacre of my Kuru clan. 
and Sri Krishna accepts whatever cuts she is going to give him. She curses him. One day you will see your own clan destroyed. Sri Krishna bows down and accepts. He knows that this is a blessing. Because after the war, all those who have survived in the Yadava clan will begin to believe that we are the best. And that's what happened. Because Kuru, there were three main kingdoms. Kuru gone, Kuru empire is gone. Then there was Magad, Jarasant. He went away. Kansai was neutralized long before. The only kingdom after the Mahabharata war which still had the greatest hold was the Yadava clan. Yadavanshi. And they were now the top of the world. <laughs> so, they were also... So he, But who can understand his ways? That's why one cannot understand the ways of the divine if you do it with the human mind. But always he acts with a deep compassion and grace and the deepest wisdom. So here is this line, that divine law, which is different from human law. So human law believes this is cruelty, divine has done this. But it's not according to, there is nothing cruel from the divine's heart point of view. In the execution of nature, it looks like cruel. But yet behind it, there is a divine wisdom that has sanctioned the game. There is a line in Savitri, the smile that sanctions the long game. See, we can take an example about <laughs> extreme thing. Cruelty is farthest from the divine. And if you, if you see the history of mankind, when has mankind really awakened and felt the need of the divine utmost? When it was going through a very, very cruel passage of life. It's very unfortunate. Divine doesn't want it to happen. He wants us to blossom like this. But man has to be led through that passage. It's a fierce passage, the purifying furnace of hell. So the only thing she asks is the divine will and the divine law. O Lord, Lord, grant that I may have no other will than thine and that all my acts be an expression of thy divine law. And when we live with this, what happens? Life is free. Then we discover the true freedom. A great light bathes me all over. And I am no longer conscious of anything else than thee. Peace, peace, peace on all the earth. At one place he says, even the circumstances which you think are the best expression, even we should not be attached to that. It is something so amazing. I have seen this... uh, when you look back, you know, sometimes we think if I am there, if I am doing this, then it will be the best. We don't know. Let the divine decide. He knows what is best for us. And that surrender, that faith, of course, it should be something dynamic, not something which is said by the mouth. And when it is done with the heart, look at the mother's life. This is December 13, 1913. Three months down the line, she would be at the door of her supreme destiny if we may use the word but again after just about 9 months she has to go 10 months 22nd February 1914-15 she goes away again she goes through all that despite all the she doesn't try to force circumstances into this or that but learns to trust and surrender and you have to go through that process a purifying furnace that's why what is derived from this is Mother says we want to change circumstances This is what is happening even now In the world We want to change outer circumstances 
But outer circumstances are the expression of the inner consciousness. Change the consciousness and the outer circumstances will change. If we don't change the inner consciousness, then we will temporarily have the illusion that the circumstances changed. But nothing fundamental has changed. It will come in another way, another way, another way, till man realizes that it's his consciousness that must change. So, this is the essence of this prayer and then she says always peace, peace, peace on all the earth. December 13, 1913 Enlighten me, O Lord. Grant that I may not be mistaken. Grant that the infinite respect, the utmost devotion, the love so intense and profound with which I approach Thee may be irradiating, convincing, contagious and that they may be awakened in the hearts of all. Have you ever thought that the contagion of love is what this earth needs? At one point somebody had asked me, why is it that Shurabindu's movement has not spread so much outside America and other places? I was telling them because you all are presenting him with a scholarly mind. People are deprived of love. What kind of people will come with the scholarly mind? They will read. They will say, very good. After that, they will compare him with this psychology and that. Why is that there are movements which have spread like so fast? Not that we should be worried about spreading. But because they have touched the heart. Touch the heart and see human beings awaken. So when this love radiates, how did people come and continue to stay here? Love of the mother. Of course, Shurabindu's compassion is endless. But there are people who read Shurabindu and say, Parvina. Very difficult. But when they turn to the mother and see her smile, ah, they don't want to go. Vishap Chand said this, no? That if people come and see us, Nobody will want to stay here. <laughs> but if they see the mother, nobody will want to go away from here. This is the contagion of love. So she is spreading the contagion of love. Just to love the divine is enough. It will spread. It's not that one has to give big speeches and lectures. It's that love which spreads. O Lord, eternal master, thou art my light and my peace. Guide my steps, open my eyes, enlighten my heart and direct me on the paths which lead straight towards Thee. So everything must be laced with that love for the Divine. So you are my light. And you know, this is so beautiful. Long back, somebody, you know, people often look here and there. Uh, Sometimes they ask that now Mother and Shubhindu are physically not there. How do we get to know? We have a problem. We have a question. Just like a child asks them. As simple as that. Mind is too complicated. Immediately the mind will say, Oh, that time we could write and get a written answer. Mother says, go to the samadhi and just tell him you will get an answer. Now the answer is even easier. He knows that we are too much blockheads. We will not be able to hear. So he bypasses our hearing and understanding. He does it for us. Later on we realize, oh yes, I had prayed <laughs> sometimes for something which later on you didn't want. But it happened. So now Samadhi is also closed. So what to do? 
stand outside the ashram and say, I can't come inside, you can come outside. <laughs> no boundary wall for you. It's so simple. Instead of lamenting, oh, it is closed, closed. Of course, it should not be closed. But every day you go and lament, oh, I wish, I wish. Say, can't help it. They've closed it. But you are, you can langwada boundary wall and come. His, you know that mother's experience where Shubhind was sitting all over the ashram and all outside. That's how we have to connect. If even that is gone, for some reason, andar me to ho na. Ultimate bedrock, the divine is within us. They are within us. So this is how we have to live our life. Thou art my light and my peace. When all the intelligence, understanding comes from the divine. Oh, life divine is very difficult. Sit and say, Sure, Bindo, you have written it. You know, a bit too tough. Please explain it also to me. Happily, he'll do it. People ask sometimes that, you know, did you understand Savitri from the beginning? I said, because I didn't try to understand actually. <laughs> I just enjoyed it. And it was like, it's so clear. There was no effort to understand. And it was like all so clear. And this clarity grows as you read again and again. But she is the one, her light. Guide my steps. Open my eyes. Enlighten my heart. And direct me on the paths which lead straight towards thee. O Lord, Lord, grant that I may have no other will than thine. And that all my acts be an expression of thy divine law. A great light bathes me all over. And I am no longer conscious of anything else than thee. You know, how far this can go, no longer conscious of anything else than thee. At one place, the mother says, yes, most people are not engaged in yoga, humanity needs blows, all that is there. At another place, she says, when I look at even animals, I see cats and dogs doing yoga. Trees. Now there is another vision. It's not that it is either this or that. There are different states in which you experience the same reality in different ways. Yes, man is not doing what he should be doing. But there is another state in which you see that everything, what is yoga after all? It's an upward effort to exceed oneself. Now, every time you see a dog trying to exceed itself, maybe towards looking at a human being, we are gods for them, huh? not very welcome gods, but still, they look at human beings and say, Ye kya? what is this species? They are the gods. They may be having discussions among themselves. You know, I saw a god today. But what kind of a god he was? He behaved like a monster. But for them, we are like that. And through our consciousness, when they try to understand, she says, they, the dogs sometimes make an animal, sometimes make a nearly yogic effort to understand us. And they feel puzzled because they can't understand us. This is a perfect example of how we cannot understand the divine. The difference between an animal and us is much less compared to us and the divine. So we try to understand his ways, but we cannot. When can we understand? When our consciousness changes into the consciousness of the divine. When can a dog understand human beings perfectly? When he is born in a human body.
he is no more a dog so that is the other you know where you see no longer conscious of anything else than the peace 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 on all the earth namaste